welcome to the show. A return guest has been on a number of times, but I uh, truly didn't expect to have Adam Thielen, former Minnesota Viking wide receiver, current Carolina Panther, back on the show. But Adam, I got to say, man, uh, your loyalty to the Ambassador Hot Dog brand is unbelievable that you wanted so badly to come on and talk about Ambassador Hot Dogs that you've, you're forced your way back on the show. What's going on, man? <laughs> Well, I appreciate being back on the show, but yes, I do. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I love to rep Minnesota companies and, uh, you know, Ambassador Hot Dogs is one of those companies that has been around for a long time and, and, and really embodied itself in the Minnesota culture. So, um, you know, it's always good to represent great Minnesota companies. I am impressed, though. I mean, that is your loyalty to Ambassador Hot Dogs of wanting to do a goodbye Minnesota tour. And I'm very glad that uh, you, you have us on it. So we'll talk more about that a little bit at the end. We'll make sure we, we get in all the plugs for Ambassador. But uh, how you doing, man? You're, you're coming to me here from North Carolina, which is just very weird because I'm in TCO Performance Center. My key code works here and yours now doesn't. So this is this is a little strange for us. Yeah, it's it's really strange. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, everything happens so fast that you just don't even have time to react or to think about it. You just you just figure it out and find a way. Um, but at the same time, you know, as 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 disappointed as I am or 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 maybe just um, sad, I guess, that I'm not back with my teammates in my city um, that I was born and raised and never left, you know, as as, as disappointed as that is, um, you know, just how everything played out uh, couldn't couldn't be happier of, of where I landed, you know, just from a, from a big picture. I mean, uh, I really believe that God pushed me here and my family here for a reason. And it wasn't just for one reason. It was, you know, this organization, this staff, the players in this locker room, I had no idea, um, you know, just how, you know, much talent and not only that, just how many good guys there are in this locker room. And then in this, in this organization as well. And then a great city that I've, I've just absolutely loved being in. Um, and it's a new adventure for our family, but, um, but we're really excited. So do you feel like the new kid at school there or what? I mean, this this is like your place. This is uh, the house that Adam Thielen and company built here at TCO Performance Center. Now you're going into a new facility, meeting all new people that you didn't know before. I mean, it's this, this is something you haven't really gone through. Yeah, I, I haven't gone through. It's it's weird for sure. Um, and it's it's been been such a blessing, though. Um, I almost feel like it like it added years in my career because it feels like I'm back to a rookie year and like, you know, just like learning a whole new thing. And it's kind of like a new, exciting, refreshing, kind of like fresh breath of fresh air uh, uh, to my career. So, um, you know, again, just so very thankful uh, to be around a really young locker room, uh, which is which is really keeping me young. And uh, I've enjoyed just kind of going to work with these guys. Again, it's, it's completely different. You know, I've just I just know the organization and the team so well in Minnesota that I didn't have to think about that. Um, but here I'm, I'm learning new people every single day. You know, it's like the other day, it's like, I don't even, I haven't even met really, you know, the trainer that I'm going to work with as far as, you know, who, who do I go to if, if I'm a little sore, I need a stretch or I need a, I need a, you know, some recovery stuff and, and just trying to figure out my process there. But, but at the same time, that's, it's been really fun. Uh, to meet a lot of new people and, and just really good people. 
I mean, just along those lines, it's also been quite some time since you played with a young quarterback. That would have been uh, a young Teddy Bridgewater, who is now like uh, an old veteran in the league. So we we get old fast. But uh, having the the number one overall pick there, I feel like this is going to be an interesting experience for you. And you get to be somebody that Bryce Young is going to lean on. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to be a an experience that I'm going to have to lean on some of that, that past experience with, with when Teddy was drafted um, in the first round. Um, but, but at the same time, um, it's really exciting uh, just because of how much talent he has and, and not only talent on the field and what he's proven in college, but just the, the amount of um, respect and, and love that he has from his teammates and past coaches of what type of person he is off the field and the leader he is. Um, I just feel like, you know, that's a, that's a, a, an opportunity to have success at the next level. And, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of a part of his journey and I can't wait till he gets here. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think having an experienced receiver like yourself should be huge um, for a young quarterback, but obviously you're here to share our feelings about no longer answering my questions in the locker room, which I'm sure you're very broken up about. Uh, But uh, you know, when you think, when you think about your Viking career, like I'm sure I know you, you don't sit, sit around and go, how about me? Um, But you're always kind of next play, next game, whatever. But now that it's on to the next chapter, and you go to football reference and your name is right there with Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Anthony Carter, Jake Reed, as far as the top five receivers in receiving yards. I mean, I always think about like, of course, everyone talks about you're from Minnesota. I don't know if anyone's heard that before, but you are. Uh, but like, like, what does that mean to you now that you've probably had some time to reflect a little bit on that, to have your name with the all-time receiver greats of the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I'm probably going to give you the same answer that I, I've given you for 10 years, but, uh, um, but yeah, you know, honestly, everything's happened so fast. Um, and I just have so much more to prove and, and, uh, you know, I got a whole new organization and staff to show what I can do on the field. And so, you know, I just haven't had time to even think about it. And I think when I'm retired and, and I'm able to sit back and, and look at it, yeah, it'll be something that, that I'll look at, but right now I'm just, I'm just trying to get better. And, uh, I, I enjoy so much every day waking up and having the opportunity to go to work and to get better. It's been, it's been really fun and it's a whole different uh, scenery. I mean, I'm, I'm practicing right now and, and I'm looking at downtown Charlotte. Uh, it's a lot different view than, than TCO performance center. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just been, it's been really fun to just try to get better. And, you know, there's so many things that, that I want to work on and get better at. And I just feel like, I still got a lot of ball left in me, so I got to go out there now and, and prove it every single day because uh, these coaches, this organization hasn't seen me play football. Um, so I got to go out there and, and give it my best every day. Okay, so you're always leaving the stats analysis to the nerds like me. I get it. I get it. But I, I did want to talk to you about my experience covering you because uh, when I first got here it was 2016, and I remember a bunch of reporters talking to you and me thinking like, Okay, you know, the Minnesota guy, all the reporters talked to him, but he only had a few catches last year, whatever. And it was really the Texans game in 2016 where you ran a double move on the guy, got the you know, scored a touchdown from Bradford, where it sort of went, oh, this is like really legit. And so then I did my classic, did you know Adam Thielen went to Mankato feature and everything else. You were very patient with me with that and ended up telling that story about 300 times in 2017. But I guess I wonder what you remember about 
finally reaching that point where like you were the guy because it took so long to get there, like practice squads and, and special teams and all those things, kind of what that was like for you to have that big breakout game and show like I'm here. Well, uh, first of all, that that next day, my my first son was born. Uh, so that that's a game that sticks out uh, to me just because I, I'll, I'll never forget that. And my, my wife was 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 ready to obviously ready to pop at any at any second during that game. And then, uh, you know, to be able to play it, you know, have probably my, my first big game. And then my son born the next day was a really cool memory. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I remember going into that season. I believe that was the year that we went to um, Cincinnati as a um, uh, joint practice. And I remember Norv Turner, if I'm remember, if I'm remembering this right, Norv Turner came up to me before that and said, hey, you better have a good week. Otherwise, they're going to cut you. And I'll never forget that because I, I just put on a different a different mindset that week in practice. And then in that game, had a couple of big catches and really gave me the opportunity to play a receiver. And then um, um, and then was able to kind of each week kind of get a bigger role by proving it on the field. And, you know, that experience I still take with me to this day. And I've taken really every year of my career of, of hey, you have to prove it every single day. And then when you do that, then you get more opportunity. And then you prove it some more and you get more opportunity. So um, I, I like I said, when I'm when I'm out there at the practice field right now, you know, every rep, I'm trying to prove something so that I get more opportunity and then I can help my my teammates get better and, and ultimately help us win football games. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot from you about how people make it in this league, like not just as an undrafted free agent, but just in general, like how a first round pick stays in this league. And one of those things is focusing on the future and maybe not spending too much time looking at your own accolades and things like that. But I also think, too, that it's also route running, man, like. I would love to hear from you and you can tell me all your secrets now that you're with another team. Uh, <laughs> I just would love to hear from you how you develop this because the Vikings drafted Jordan Addison. I'm sure you saw his thing is route running. And I feel like no matter what it is for your 40 or whatever else, the details of the route running is what separates guys who make it and guys who don't. How did you master that craft over a couple of years to be ready for that opportunity when it came? Well, I think there's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of people that that helped in that along along the way. You know, whether you go back to high school, college, um, some of the coaches I've had, um, and then and then just kind of their impact in helping me become a better receiver, a better um, player, a better teammate. Um, and then and then you kind of just learn from experience. You learn from trial and error, and you learn from the guys next to you. Uh, one of our coaches said something that really stuck with me. Um, he said he said the best best teachers are the guys next to you because you get to watch them do it and you get to see what they did that worked and what they did that didn't work. And then you get to apply that to your game. And I guess I never thought of it like that before, but it was, I thought it was a great point. And it's something I've done my whole career. I've, I've watched guys, whether they were an undrafted guy, a first round pick, I've watched every rep of theirs. And I've said, Hey, I like that. I'm gonna use that in my game or, Oh, you know, maybe maybe that's something I that I need to take away from my game because that didn't work out that great. Um, and so I, I continue to do that to this day. But, you know, I think it's funny when people start talking about route running. And I think a lot of young guys get this misconstrued is is they think, oh, I got to be, um, you know, I got to be so detailed and precise on this route running. But I think route running becomes an art and it becomes an art in the fact that 
you need to make everything look fast and the same. So every route, you know, with your stem, with your release, it's got to look the same as other routes. Otherwise, it's just too easy for a defender to see you. And if you don't put speed on it, which I think guys don't understand, if you don't run full speed on every route, guys will just, they'll be able to sit on it and they'll know that you're not running deep and they know that you're you're trying to set them up and things like that. So I just think that there there is a little bit of art to it. And I think it's something that I, I, I really enjoy, you know, uh, like I said before, I, I get I get excited to wake up in the morning. I'm, I'm waking up before my alarm goes off in year 11 because I can't wait to go run routes on air in phase two of OTAs. Um, and I love, I love watching guys develop and, and, you know, see them getting better and, and then me being able to work on some things that I know I need to work on. It also seems like too, that knowing the exact route depths is a thing that you almost like can't talk about enough because if you're off by even a little bit, it's just going to throw everything off. I, I am curious about your process though. You're joining a new team, but you've gone through this a million times of, Oh, the Vikings have a new offensive coordinator. Maybe he resigned. Maybe he got another job. Hard to say, but you've gone through that a bunch of different times. I mean, what is that like to like learn a new offense, learn all those details, learn all those route depths. It seems like that must take forever. It does take it does take a long time. Um, there's so many little details. Um, even today, you know, run a route that I've run, um, you know, I, I don't know, fifty to a hundred times in a game, and I did it a certain way, and and they kind of coached me up, and and I say that to say, every system, every coach um, likes the same route, maybe that every team runs, but they like it run a little different. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that you, the offense coordinator and the quarterback are on the same page. And so I have to adjust and, and run that route a little different than I've ever ran it before and had success running, but it doesn't matter if you're not on the same page. So I now have to run that a little differently and that's exciting for me. Um, I really enjoy learning the little things that the why behind why coaches want it done a certain way. Um, and that's really cool. It's been fun to learn a new offense. Um, a new system that's kind of a mix of some different systems I've been in. So um, it's been really fun. And then being around different quarterbacks, like I said, a quarterback might want you to do it a little bit differently and, and kind of hearing their um, why behind that has been really fun. Yeah. I remember you talked about Teddy kind of helping you in 2017, understand Case Keenum's perspective to get on the same page with him. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating art, man. And I can't say how much I appreciate all the years of you teaching us football, you know, whether it's press conferences or uh, you were, you were our media good guy one year, but could have been every single year. Um, just always available, always interested in talking ball. So I always appreciate that. But I did want to ask you the one more question about that is just what, what did we have wrong? Like to, you can tell me now, like what, who did we underrate? Who are we, what were we wrong about as, uh, as the media when you were covered? So I'm sure you had some takes. <laughs> Oh man. Well, I don't know if I was answering your question, but, uh, I think, I think everyone's been a little bit wrong about KJ. Um, I just think that, I just think that he is a wide receiver one in this league. And I think that he has so much talent, um, and so much, um, you know, I think his attitude, his effort, um, his, the way that he approaches, Every single day, um, his mindset is the one of the best I've ever been around. And uh, great teammate, locker room guy, hardest worker every single day. 
um, cares so much about his teammates and, and himself getting better every single day. Um, I just think that I just think that he gets disrespected sometimes, and I don't think it's deservingly so. And I can't wait for him to have a big year. I completely agree with you on that. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm not wrong about that. But I, even his college coach, when he first got drafted, said, "Do not th- doubt this guy. He's going to make the team. He's going to surprise everybody." And he was exactly right. So look, uh, you could still they can ship you Ambassador hot dogs, right? That you could still get them. I mean, I I also want to say to Ambassador hot dogs, can't tell them how much I appreciate. Over the years, we would always get to dig together, do one of these talk about food and things like that. So it's cool that we could do one more. Uh, but uh, I, I guess you're going to, you're going to miss them or are you going to still get your hands on some ambassador hot dogs? Well, that's the great thing is, is I'll be back in Minnesota for the summer and there's no better time to have ambassador hot dogs than in the summer in Minnesota, you know, campfire season, grilling season. My boys like to, you know, throw them on the marshmallow sticks and, and roast them over the campfire, which brings back great memories from, being in uh, growing up in northern Minnesota, so um, you know it's always great to represent a great Minnesota company that that kind of embodies that Minnesota culture. And uh, you know, I might have a little grill out here in Charlotte for the receivers, and I might bring back some ambassador hot dogs to uh, kind of uh, you know you know start that off the right way. So I'm excited about that. That's perfect. Thanks so much for doing this again, man. And just can't say enough. Uh, best of luck to you and the family and everything else uh, down there. I think it'll be very interesting to kind of watch from afar with the number one draft pick there as you guys kind of build around him. So uh, best of luck, man, and appreciate everything through all the years, all the features you let us write about you, all the times that we bugged you about different football things. Um, just can't can't thank you enough for all that. Thanks again, man. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. You've been you've been awesome. Uh, I remembered when we started talking about this this call. I remembered talking about the hot dogs last year, and it was a it was a pretty fun conversation. So uh, I appreciate all you've done, and and excited to see um, you cover the Vikings for a long time. So uh, good luck with everything, and uh, go stop by Cub Foods and get some Ambassador hot dogs. <laughs> all right, get in one more there. Uh, thanks again, Adam. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, man. All right, now we welcome into the show from the Star Tribune, actually making his debut appearance here on Purple Insider. I don't know how it's uh, taken so long, but it has. Uh, Mike Rand, Rand Ball. What is up, man? I, I, I'm sorry. I feel like this is an oversight for us. We've known each other. We've shared locker rooms. We followed each other on Twitter, but it just hasn't come together. So here we are. How are you? I'm good, and I've never had you on my show either. We're going to remedy that soon, I hope, too. Um, so... Well, we're, we're correcting all these. We're writing all these wrongs. We're, we're traveling back in time like Quantum Leap, and we're going to write all the wrongs that we've that we've had. You know what I think it was? You didn't have enough mock drafts. Like, that was it. It's just like, I, if you I had a few mocks. more mocks, yeah. or if you had done some scouting reports or whatever, maybe you could have come on during the draft. Um, but so funny thing is, both of us just finished up interviews with Adam Thielen on his hot dog yes. tour. And uh, <laughs> I... Yes. I want to talk about that because on the episode, okay. you're going right after him. So people just heard that interview. And I want to I want to ask you how difficult you think it will be to replace Adam Thielen because they drafted Jordan Addison to do this, but it's never a guarantee with a rookie. And I feel like last season is kind of weird with him. Like you look at the numbers and he had like 70 catches. So you can't say, oh, well, it was just completely washed and there was nothing there. And yet I feel like Jordan Addison comes in with expectations of taking it to a higher level. What is your take? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is that Addison is just a different 
kind of receiver than they've seemed like they've had here for a while. Right. Like they, they, they try like, you know, quicker guys like Jalen Rager kind of maybe can kind of be that guy, but doesn't really seem like he's terribly trustworthy in, in that role. They just, they haven't had a guy who kind of can, I feel like can operate out of the slot and be quick and can get, can get open quick. And that's, you know, I think Justin Jefferson's strength is always going to be kind of more of the, you know, just the precise route running, the hands, just the strength, the, the combination, the whole package. But he's not a guy that tends to get open really quick. He's just, he's built not so much as a quick burst guy. Like, ideally, he's a kind of guy where the play needs, a, you know, a, a decent sized pocket to, to unfold or, or a rollout or something where you're going to buy a little time and you're making sure that he's kind of getting into his break and kind of getting that separation he needs. I think Thielen, even at his best, was probably kind of like that too, more of a precise route runner, you know, a guy who could get a step quick, but, you know, was, was kind of more of that complete package. Like since, since they had Stefan Diggs, a guy who was a little bit, you know, smaller, twitchier, and I wouldn't want to compare, compare Addison to Stefan Diggs yet. Cause that's, that's way too early for that. Diggs is obviously one of the best receivers in the league and was that even when he left um, and was replaced essentially by, by Jefferson, just like Addison is essentially replacing Thielen, but he did, he gives them a different dimension, I think at least. And that's what, that's what inter- interests me. Like, and I, I kind of broke this down the other day and talked about it. Like I'm obsessed with that fourth and eight play still from the playoffs. And a lot of us want to blame Kirk cousins for throwing it short of the sticks. And we can do that. I'm, I'm, that was not the right decision. I don't know. Whatever the decision was, that wasn't the right decision. But I go back at it and I look and I say, man, they sure could have used someone like Jordan Addison on that play to get open quick. When you don't have a great offensive line, especially a great interior offensive line, having a guy operating out of the slot who can win a one-on-one matchup quick, get out and get open in space, that is awfully valuable. So I'm interested to see how he fits into that offense and we can't redo that play from last year, but if they ever come up on that play again this year, I would expect him to have an outsized role in maybe succeeding a little bit more than this year. The right answer is I don't care how many human beings are on Justin Jefferson. You throw it anyway. That would probably be the right answer. But, uh, you know, like you said, if we could go back in time and change things in Minnesota sports, that probably doesn't even make like the top 35. Um, did you know no. Steph Curry could have been drafted by the Wolves? I had no idea. Yeah, it's a no crazy, idea. Crazy. Really? Only. 14 years ago they had did you know they had two chances to draft him and, and pass twice and they picked the same position amazing yes, remarkable they did. They stuff sure that's happened here twice uh twice. so i agree with you i think that there is one and yeah the, the digs comparison has come up even from him because they are from maryland and one of the differences, uh, Stefan Diggs is like 20 pounds heavier coming into the league. Yes. And so that's something that really stuck out to me with Addison. And I, I think it's going to be kind of down to Kevin O'Connell to make sure that he is really putting in an effort to not get him lined up one-on-one with anybody at the line of scrimmage, that he's always moving, that he's always in the slot. But the get open factor is something that you just can't replace. And that was part of my conversation with Thielen. It's just that you can have guys who run four sixes or guys who run four threes or tall dudes or short dudes. It's one of the only positions in the NFL where there's just this huge range of what people look like. Even quarterback, there's only a couple tiny guys. Most people are six, three to six, five in the league, but wide receiver it's all over the map and getting open is the thing that I I think uh, always is pervasive through all of that, but I don't want to go too much, too much deeper into that because that we've sort of, you know, beaten down the Jordan Addison and everything else, but I did want to stick on the Thielen part that 
you know, I asked him about his sort of legacy in Minnesota, and it's just not in his nature to talk too much about, well, yeah, actually, I think I'm just as good as Chris Carter or something. That would not be Adam Thielen. He wouldn't be the way he is. And Midwest, you know, Minnesota guy, if you haven't heard. Tumble. Yep. Um, but you can talk about it. So I want to know, do you put Adam Thielen in the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota Vikings wide receivers? The Mount Rushmore. So that's that's just, Mount Rushmore is has four. Yes. So we're sticking to four. Um, that's a tough one because I, I think Randy Moss is still um, the head, the, the featured head on Mount Rushmore. Um, even even if the uh, even if the end of his first and second go arounds here did not necessarily go as uh, as they might have liked, um, maybe helped get a couple coaches run out of here. But uh, um, you know, Chris Carter is there. Justin Jefferson, I think, is already on that mountain because of just of how good he's been in these first three years in the league. And then we're talking about the final spot on that, on that kind of pantheon. And do we put Stefan Diggs there? Do we put Adam Thielen there? Do we put, you know, someone from way back in the day, like an Ahmad Rashad or a Sammy White or something like that? That that's the, that's an interesting question. Having not thought about it too much, I probably put Thielen in that, in that fourth spot, just from the longevity standpoint, from the career number standpoint, from the fact that he was an all pro and you can't at a certain point, ignore the story too, right? Like the, the fact that what he, where he came from to what he became does add a certain element of it. You know, just, just the fact that he had to work so hard just to get a look and then becomes this type of player. So I would put him, I think I would put him on that Mount Rushmore. I, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, but I think it goes Moss, Carter, Jefferson for now. Jefferson probably moves into number two awfully soon and might be number one uh, within about three to five years. And then uh, Thielen is number four. Yeah, there's only there's only two spots available for about four or five people that are deserving. Anthony Carter, of course, on the yardage list for all-time Vikings is one ahead of Thielen. Thielen did have the all-pro. The story is part of that for sure. Um, and then, you know, Jake Reed gets in this conversation too because Jake Reed took the back seat to Chris Carter and Randy Moss. But before Randy Moss got there, there was one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. And then, yes, you can go back to your Sammy Whites and your Ahmad Rashads and so forth. The thing about Diggs, it's, I mean, if it becomes a Diggs-Thielen battle for the final spot, that's interesting too because – Diggs has the Minneapolis miracle. So Thielen has the story, but Diggs has the literal biggest moment in this franchise's, I don't know if I want to say total history, but it's up there for for that. And And that's why I like the debate so much. I also think the Vikings have the best receiver history of any team in the NFL. The fact that we're talking about is Anthony Carter, who's fantastic, even on a Mount Rushmore. But that to me, that is a really tight race between all of them for that position. It is, and I think I overlooked Reed because just because he got he got overshadowed at the end of his career by Moss. And what's interesting does speak to kind of the quality of the receivers they've had throughout time. Like it's always almost always been two of them at the same time. Like it's been Thielen and Diggs, Thielen and Jefferson, Moss and Carter together. Like a lot of these guys worked in tandem, and you know I think they're just as good even even without you know those guys being at their at their peak. I think Jefferson showed that last year when I don't think there was a clear number two. Cause I think, you know, Thielen had fallen enough last year where he was still good, but was probably still just kind of an average receiver by last year, at least by a lot of advanced metrics. But in a lot of those years, it was two guys that were 
at that at that all pro or close to all pro level and you know kind of working off each other still capable of doing it on their own but you know working in tandem um man it's really great that they were able to win so many super bowls with those guys tough you had to throw that there at the end didn't you didn't you i did well it's, you know it's a it, the waste of talent um, relative to championships here is, is undeniable. There was a USA Today article where uh, Kwesi Dafomensa said that you win with great quarterbacks. So maybe that's been the connection. I don't know. Uh, there's been a lot of good quarterbacks through here. Uh, so, okay, one more Adam Thielen one, because I feel like this is up your alley. Okay. Is he the all-time one-of-us story, or will no one ever top like Joe Maurer? I mean, who is who is the top Minnesota, Minnesota athlete? It's, you know, that's a pretty good Mount Rushmore right there. If we're going to stick with the Mount Rushmore theme, I think Thielen, Thielen's rise from, you know, division two obscurity to what was it, like a tryout camp, like a satellite tryout camp to, you know, that he had to pay for himself essentially to, to what he became. Maurer, obviously it's, it's kind of a, an off the charts story. Lindsey Whalen um, is certainly in, in that, in that mix, but we've had, you know, like, Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield. I mean, these guys made the Baseball Hall of Fame. They both played for the Twins later in their careers. They were multi-sport athletes. They played for the Gophers. They went to College World Series with the Gophers. Like, there are a lot of quintessential one-of-us stories. But if, if we're – maybe if we're kind of limiting limiting it to, like, my kind of my kind of scope of memory and what I remember and not just what I've heard of, I, I, th- I think Maurer is still number one just because of just – he he's he's still you know he's going to be he's probably going to be a hall of famer someday and maybe as soon as next year um and you know Waylon already is a hall of famer she's very close to being number two i just feel like mauer being the number one overall pick in that draft being you know hot so 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 much at the forefront for for that franchise Thielen's in that top four though for sure i don't know who i would put number four. I mean, a guy like Glenn Perkins is another good example. There's, we have a lot of those stories here. We do not, do we not? Yeah. I think that, I mean, of course, at least from the time that I've been here, Maurer and Waylon stand kind of way, uh, way above being hall of fame level talents where Thielen is an, is a notch below, but you know, Maurer and Waylon were top draft picks. And yes. so they don't have that like uh, the iron range grid or whatever we call it. Uh, do people call it that? Probably not. But, um, you know, they, they don't, you know, that, that like underdog whole thing, it kind of adds to his lore that might um, kind of push him up a little bit there. And then there's certainly some more that are on the way to potentially being there. But I think that's that's like part of his thing that we've we have made fun of it so much because every Sunday yes. on every broadcast, it was like, you'll never believe this guy's story. And it was like, <laughs> he's 31. OK, like, stop. We'd heard enough. Um, but it will never stop being an unbelievable story. And he was even talking about how he was a couple practices away from being cut in 2016 and they drafted Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell doesn't work out. He ends up, you know, being this amazing story. So obviously, you know, guys like us who've had him on shows, cover of him. Uh, he's always been so great to the Minnesota media. Same thing with someone like Lindsey Whalen, who's always been available through the years and everything else. So that's, uh, we, we appreciate how um, polite they are in their Minnesota goodbye. I mean, what a Minnesota goodbye for him to come on our podcast. Yes. I mean, wow. Yes. Like, I didn't even think of that. Um, okay, so let's talk about the quarterback. Did, wait, thing, did you just, you didn't just say that Detroit Lakes is part of the Iron Range, right? Were you I, don't, just connecting I don't know. I was just the, like reaching It's not for, part of the Iron Range. I don't even know where the Iron Range is, but I was just. You, okay, well, it, it, the Iron Range is north. Detroit Lakes is more like 
west and a little bit north. So it that's that's not part of the iron. Just just for point of clarity, I don't want you I don't want you to get a lot of undeserved like emails or tweets to saying, Collar, you don't know where the Iron Range is. This is Detroit Lakes is nowhere close to the Iron Range, just so you know. No, it's actually true that I did not know the specifics of it. I always just thought like north and Detroit Lakes ish north. So I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. My, it's north of it's north of here, but it's yeah. It's, my deepest well, I'll, I'll draw you I'll draw you a map I'll draw you a Microsoft paint map someday and, and, and post it on Twitter. It was it was a compliment to the gritty Iron Range was, underrated yes. people there. So anyway, the ethic, uh, sorry. the ethic is true. The ethic is true. I moved to Burnsville and then to just outside Minneapolis and I have not looked anywhere else since I got here. Um, and I know, I know the one restaurant in Egan. So that's it. That's, that's my entirety of understanding Minnesota geography. Um, but, and I know how to get to Taco Bell, but uh, let me, let me ask you about the quarterback situation. So I don't continue saying things like this. Um, so Kirk Cousins comes today and he says, I've always been underrated. I I've never had anyone believe in me. I've never really known about the future, uh, which is absolutely true. I mean, there's many seasons he's gone into and I've always respected his ability to put the horse blinders on, but. What did you make of Kwesi Adafo Mensa leaving the door open to a contract extension with Kirk, who of course said, yes, he wants to be in Minnesota long-term. What did you make of that? I mean, I think they have to at this point, because they, you know, when they, when they restructured or, you know, did what they did this off season before the draft where they left, left it possible that this would be his last year where he's ostensibly a free agent next year, they, tilted things one way right and then the draft comes and goes and they didn't draft his replacement right they drafted jaron hall in the fifth round like that's not a that's not a kirk cousins replacement that's maybe a nick mullins replacement someday and maybe you know if if something wild happens and he's way better than we can imagine maybe that's something that develops but that's not a move for 2024 now i i don't so i don't think i don't think you make a decision until you have to right that's kind of what i that's what a smart personnel person does that's what that's what quasi does you don't you don't close the door on anything you don't you know say definitively something until you have to you don't you don't say you're moving on from him you don't say this is definitely what we're doing because then you lose leverage then everybody knows you're desperate for quarterback or you've got to have a different plan for 2024 so kind of where they are right now is in a spot probably where they see where they are they they see what the options are they see how 2023 plays out and if i'm going to guess I'm going to say it's going to play out in some fashion similar to 2018 through 2021 and not so much 2022 the outlier where they won what 11 games by 11 and 0 until the playoffs uh by by one score or fewer and it's going to be kind of like eh uh that was good um but not great uh we had a chance to make the playoffs or we made it as a low seed I'm talking as the Vikings not as the royal we and uh, and now now what do we do? Now we're kind of stuck in the same place we've been for most of Kirk Cousins' tenure. And I think at that point, someone's got to decide at a certain point and say, you know what? He's good, but he's not great. He's probably the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. And that's nothing that you should turn your nose up at. But at a certain point, if you aspire to win a Super Bowl and you have the roster they have right now, which has a lot of holes and needs a lot of help on defense. Kirk Cousins window of being above average does not line up with your window of being a Super Bowl contender potentially. So I think at some point you've got to move on from that. What I'd be curious about is if they get to next year and it's like February and it's like Kirk is kind of 
take getting kind of taking the temperature. His people are kind of taking the temperature of the market and realizing that nobody's really interested in a long term deal with him. Maybe at that point, then could they come back and do one more year to kind of buy that bridge instead of having to go get a bridge quarterback? Could Kirk Cousins be that bridge? I don't know if he'd be interested in that. I don't know if the Vikings would be interested in that. I think what he wants is one more multi-year deal, and I just don't think the Vikings want to do that. So that, to me, is kind of where they're at. I don't think a lot of that changes, other than the fact that they had an opportunity to draft his replacement. If if Anthony Richardson would have fallen further, I think they would have done that. They would have made him move up. Levis, if they liked Will Levis, if they liked Hendon Hooker, those guys were available to them. They did not do that. So they showed they're not just going to draft anybody to be his replacement, but I don't think that precludes them from picking somebody else soon or moving on from Cousins as early as next year. Yeah, you know what's funny about uh, that is we talk about projecting next year. I mean, we've actually, I think, been okay at it through the years, but last year I don't think we were because no one expected all those one-score games to turn into wins magically, right? right? And so last year a lot of us said, like, oh, this is probably a 10-win team. I think I predicted them at 10. I thought they were a good football team, but I did not expect it to get to 13. Um, but I think that this is a pretty safe pick to say 8 or 9 or 10 uh, in that ballpark based on you know, just what they've been before. Four, but I I was thinking of a scenario where they win 12 games and the Lions are the Lions and whatever and Jordan Love stinks and whatever, right? It's possible. It's in the realm of possibility. A few quarterback injuries that you get to face along the way. It still probably wouldn't be a good idea to extend Kirk at that point because of the age factor and the price factor after that, assuming you didn't win the Super Bowl. It's like if Joe Flacco, I remember this is the only situation where I could think where this really happened with a similar quarterback. Joe Flacco was a free agent the following season after he won the Super Bowl. And they, of course, signed him to some Mongo insane contract and it never worked out for them, not even really close. So it's like almost no, no matter what happens, when we're talking about a guy who would be 37 through 40 in a, in a long-term contract extension, it doesn't even make sense if you're great, which kind of leads me to another question. I wrote a little about this today, just about should they like, try to make more cap space and sign free agents here because the list of free agents is pretty good. Like Leonard Floyd is out there, Marcus Peters. I mean, these are guys who could make a difference, but if they don't, because I assume they're going to make some cap space with Delvin or Zadarius or whatever, but if they don't sign players and they say, no, no, we want to see a Caleb Evans. We want to see Andrew Ruth Jr. Is that kind of a sign that they just view this as a transition year as opposed to another one of those all-ins like they were kind of doing the last few years? I think it's been pointing to that for a while, and that's part of what has been interesting to me to watch this offseason. They've not really done much to position themselves to be super competitive this year, right? Like, I think they realize that they've got a lot of overhauling to do on the defense, and they need to figure out what they've got in some of these guys. I think the offense is still going to be very good, and I think that's going to help them win games. And that's part of the problem, almost, is that if you want to draft your quarterback of the future Kirk Cousins isn't the guy that's going to help you get a top five pick he's good enough that you're probably never going to fall below the the teens in a, in a draft pick in any kind of draft scenario so there's that like he's going to the offense is going to be good enough to keep you competitive in a lot of games this season um, so you, I guess if your question is should they do more to try to win now you know potentially um, but I, I think a lot of it is just kind of de- is kind of depends on what how you view this year kind of what where you're comfortable kind of taking the the pain of of some of these cap hits and like 
you know, let's be honest, like next year, you even if you moved on from Cousins, you're talking about $29 million of dead cap space. Like that's that's money you can't use. Obviously, if you had a rookie quarterback, that would mitigate some of that. And then you still have three or four years of, of pretty, you know, pretty low cost quarterback play where you're talking about that's our window to compete. Um, but, you know, it kind of depends on how they view their opportunity this year. Like, but I think no matter how you looked at it right now, like would even if they made two or three interesting moves, is this a team that could compete for a Super Bowl next year? Like, I just don't, I don't think so. I don't, even in a, even in an open NFC, I don't see this as a Super Bowl contender. I would have to see, I think, evidence that they could be a much better offense. I think they can be a better offense, but I was just looking at this. It's funny about last year. They were behind the number one team in scoring. They were 72 points behind. I think I just look quick and they were only 70 points ahead of 19. Like the difference between when you say you're like a top 10 offense, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a Super Bowl competing offense. This has sort of long been their problem where it's always sort of good. But when you think about being two and a half full games away of points away from the team that's at the top and going to the Super Bowl. How are you going to make up those points? And I'm sure that my listeners have heard me talk about this every offseason of just where are these points coming from? A rookie wide receiver is really the only change on offense. Maybe they'll be more efficient in the run game because they're putting emphasis on it and they're not handing it to a guy who is dealing with a shoulder injury the entire season, but I don't think you change who's operating it and the the, the ceiling that sort of exists there, which kind of leads me to, I guess the only reason to do this whole thing is it like kind of go for it, kind of win the division, but also kind of try to learn what you have is really to make sure Justin Jefferson is happy because if that man is not happy, then uh, you might not keep him. But if he wasn't here, I think they would be talking about having already moved on from Cousins, potentially starting Nick Mullins or whoever free agent they signed or something like that. It's amazing how one man and his unreal talent can kind of dictate where this team is and how they have to handle their timeline. Yeah, that's a good point because I think you, you do have to make Jefferson health, have to make Jefferson happy, right? And he's you know an extension for him sooner rather than later has got to be a priority. They they don't need to see anymore that we we know how good he is like whatever they can do to make sure he is happy and secured for the long term has got to be priority number one but you're right if he's not if he wasn't here if they didn't have a receiver of that caliber first of all they wouldn't have won 13 games last season so it might be a moot point but second of all if he wasn't here let's just remove him from the decision making equation yeah you could have made a, a, a much different quarterback decision right now you could have just you know taken a lot of the the pain right away and just said you know what Let's let's you know let's definitively move on and 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 you know try to usher in a new era and try to get better in a certain way. But yeah, he he does control a lot of this at least until he's signed because you've you've got to make sure that you know if he's you don't want to just give him any old quarterback and then his numbers go down and then he's not happy and they're not winning at all. Like you want him putting up his numbers, you want him feeling like there's a chance to make the playoffs, um, and then you know once that's determined, as long as he's in on the plan and feels like okay this team's going to go get the quarterback of the future. It might mean a year of, you know, kind of growing pains a little bit, but, but I, I see the big vision picture, something like that. That's a lot easier to do if the long term has already been taken care of. Okay. Last thing just strikes me. I can't really figure out if this team is interesting for this year or not uh, because of what we were just talking about. Is it a purgatory team that no one outside of here is going to care about? 
or does it have the potential to go so many different ways that it's going to be very, very interesting? Because last year I went into it thinking they were kind of that, but I wasn't sure because it was a new head coach, uh, a lot of new players last year. I think there were like 21 new players last year. There's going to be quite a few this year. We don't have our Eric Hendricks, Adam Thielen, but there's also still enough of all the stuff that was there before. I guess I'm, I'm a wavering on it. Like if they bring back, if they find a way to bring back Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, I will probably think this is a pretty competitive team and it could be an interesting season, but it probably ends the same way. But if they don't, I think I become more intrigued of like, there's a lot of players who I just don't know what's there and I'm kind of excited to see it. But I, I think a lot of it rests on what's still to happen here. I agree. I thought last year had a high level of unpredictability and volatility just because of the new head coaching staff. I picked them to win seven games last year. I didn't think they were going to be very good last year. I thought that that was just going to be not because I didn't think O'Connell was a good coach. I just thought that there was going to be a year of transition and it ended up being less of a year of transition last year. They did some things differently, but a lot of the players were the same. They extracted a little bit more from some of them and they just won games close. They made plays in the fourth quarter and you can say that's a culture thing, or you can say that was a, an, a statistical outlier and it's probably a little bit of both. I don't think they're going to do that again this year. So I don't think I would pick them necessarily to be a seven and 10 team, but I, I think they do, like you said, become more interesting if they're the, the fewer known commodities there are, they're probably the more interesting they are because seasons that have the potential for volatility where you just don't know what players will do when given certain opportunities, those are interesting. They might turn out to be bad, like a season where you could see them finishing anywhere between, you know, five and 12 and 12 and five would be pretty interesting um, as opposed to uh, anywhere between, you know, eight and nine and 10 and seven. That's not that interesting. That's maybe more comfortable. That's maybe more comfortable for a second year head coach, but it's not as interesting when there's not as much variance. And Vikings fans have been beaten over the head with eight and nine uh, or yes. previously, you know, nine and seven and 10 and six type of seasons. Um, I think, I think it's TBD. I, I, I think that if you start off a season slow where your quarterback isn't signed, then we start talking about like, could they trade him? And could, you know, all these things that could kind of go on that could develop themselves or uh, cousins could be doing a, you like that to Quasi Adafo Mensa every time he walks off the field, he did that before it. See the, you like that was famous, but there was another one where it was, how do you like me now to Bruce Allen? I think who had intentionally called him Kurt for uh, several years because he didn't, they didn't get along. So uh, anyway, you know, you never know there is when there's a tense situation with a contract and we saw this with digs, not over a contract, but an offensive, you know, scheme issue. There's always the potential for the turning into a, a powder keg. So I think, I think potentially interesting is kind of where I want to land on that. So, uh, but let's, uh, as we go along, let's, let's do this more often. Let's get together from time to time on the show. Love having you on. And, um, you know, we can break down all these things like more Minnesota geography, like you teaching me where things <laughs> actually are. I'd be happy to do that. As always, it was a pleasure to be on your show, and I look forward to having you on uh, on Daily Delivery soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Follow him uh, at Randball. I know you already do, though, on Twitter, Mike Rand. Appreciate it, man, and uh, we will talk to you all again soon. All right. Sounds good, Matthew.